Okay, the Pasha is um, Vayishlach. The Pasha is Vayishlach. And it's the story of the return of Yaakov to Eretz Yisrael, as you all know. <coughs> now, when Yaakov Avinu left Eretz Yisrael to go on the, the to go towards um, the, where his family came from, he did that because he was afraid of Esau. At least that's the way. Uh, the primary reason that's given in the Chumash. Since Esau was out to kill Yaakov Avinu, because Yaakov fooled Esau and got the, uh, say, the better blessing, Yaakov Avinu uh, was encouraged by both his mother and his father to leave. I guess the expectation would be that when he would come back years later, everything would be a kind of time would have resolved the issue. But as we know, the time did not resolve the issue. And Esau appeared. Esau appeared uh, at the head of uh, a large camp of uh, soldiers, an army, a kind of an army. And uh, Yaakov Avinu had to negotiate his way with Esau. And it's that negotiation at the beginning of the parasha that we're interested in uh, trying to understand. I mean, what exactly did Yaakov say to Esau that would make his return to Eretz Yisrael a more peaceful affair? Like, how, how did Yaakov expect to influence the situation? I mean, you know, it's... Uh, it's uh, what, what sort of conversation would Yaakov have had with Esau that would have made Esau change his position? He came out to meet Yaakov with an army. I guess he intended to go to war with him and to stop him from re-entering Eretz Yisrael. So Yaakov had this diplomatic uh, uh, issue. Like, what could he say? What could Yaakov say that would change uh, the position of the... Um, of Esau and his army. So let's just remind ourselves of the Pesukim. If you look at the sheet, it says, Vayishlach Yaakov Malachim Lefanav Eleisav Achiv Arza Seir Tzedei Edom. Here, one of the words that has, uh, that has confounded uh, the, the Parshanim over the years is that word Malachim. Malachim, which could either mean an angel or a an emissary. Rashi says that it's an angel, Malachim Mamash. That we're talking about angels. Now, why did he need angels? I mean, what advantage was there to sending angels over sending diplomats? Or sending people who could state the case? Uh, that's not clear. So this is what he told them to say. A kind of an irrelevancy. So what what was it that they were what were they supposed to say about Asaf? 
So, as you know, Rashi takes this to be a kind of a mystery. I mean, why should the angels tell Esau that Yaakov was with Lovon? Garti, look at Rashi. Lo adaseti sar v'chashuv ela ger. I was a second-class citizen. That's what im lavan garti means. A second-class citizen. And chakedai l'sno oti al berkat avicha sheberchani hevei gvir la'achecha sh'arei lo nitkaima bi. So Rashi presents an argument which while it is kind of uh, dubious to me I can't imagine why it would work at least it's an argument Yaakov Avinu says to Esav he says look if you're coming to fight because I got something that you didn't get I can only tell you now that I didn't get it either in Lavan Garti I was with Lavan and all that time I was a gear a gear it's a person, not a, not a convert, but someone who is not part of the native population. Someone who doesn't get any privileges. Someone who is not, you know, nearly as good as anybody else. So if you, Esau, are thinking about the bracha that our father gave to me, don't worry about it. Because I haven't, you know, you can't go to war over that. Because I didn't get that. I didn't, I didn't get anything. So, okay, so Rashi has converted the statement that Yaakov told the angels into something that's a little more plausible. Like it makes sense that the Malachim should say that, even though it's hard to imagine that Yaakov, that Esau would be swayed by such an argument. But then Rashi says, Rashi says, <coughs> Rashi says, Here, means a different level of interpretation, as we will see. Davar What's the davar acher? Garti b'gematria taryag. I mean, like, gematrias are always difficult. I mean, difficult as interpretations. But when you tell, when Yaakov says to the Balochim to tell Esau, in Lavan Garti, and Esau is supposed to, like, click, 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 that it's a gematria, that really seems to be uh, uh, remarkable. But that's not, probably not what Rashi says. Listen to, to what, uh, listen to what he says. listen to Rashi. Davarachem garti b'gematri taryag. Tlomar im lavana rasha garti v'taryag mitzot shamarti. V'lo lamadidi v'masavaraim. So, <coughs> oh, so that's very nice. We already knows this. In Lavangarti Shamarti. But how is that supposed to impress Esav? What is Esav supposed to think when Yaakov says to him, I, 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 I was with Esav and all the time, all I did was go to shul and I davened and I, I did mitzvahs. What's the point that Asa? What point is Asa supposed to um, to to uh, to get from this? What is supposed to understand that Yaakov is stubborn, or that Yaakov is a total nar? I mean, he went out to this place where all these goyim like uh, act like uh, goyim, and he insisted on acting like a like a firm Jew. Obviously, he doesn't have any money. 
I mean, there's nothing much that good could have happened. I mean, this is a problem. So, you know, you see there's a little gimbal in the text of Rashi, which refers to the Sifte Chachamim. Sifte Chachamim is a very popular commentary on Rashi. Became especially popular because it's printed with Rashi in most Mikraot Gedolot. So whoever decided to print the Sifte Chachamim did the Sifte Chachamim a big favor. Because there are hundreds of perushim on Rashi. But only one of them made it into the standard Mikraot Gedolot, and that's the Sifte Chachamim. In some editions of the Chumash, like this Chumash that I'm looking at, which is also very popular today because, especially with old people, because it's very, the print is very big. This Chumash, which is just Chumash in Rashi, has it, which is printed recently, uh, has in it what's called Ikar Siftei Chachamim. That some, somebody figured that it's like too hard for us to do the whole thing. And uh, they printed it small print, so that's another sign that says that you don't really have to look here. Though it's here in the book because you have to print something, but it's not so important, so it printed very small. So they did was they took out the kind of uh, part that just takes issue with Rashi or explains something in Rashi. They put that in, and the rest of it, the conversation in Sitechachamim, they took out. But recently, in the new editions of the of the Bikraot Gedolot, they put it back in. So here you have it. I think this must be from the Bar Ilan. <coughs> so this is what the Siftei Chachamim says. Klomar, ve'ein ata yecholi. Klomar, ve'ein ata yecholi. It's like Yaakov says to Esav, listen Esav, I'm the mitzvah man. I'm Tariyag Mitzvot Shamati. I'm not just your brother. You know, do you remember from years ago? I'm the, the person who kept the mitzvahs. So if I've kept the mitzvahs, then God is on my side. Veda Tariyacholi. So Slatemet takes it, I'm saying, the takes it a step more. It's like a step higher. The first interpretation of Rashi was. Look, I, I, I was of no importance in, in the house of Lavan. I must probably not have... I, I, I didn't make any money. I mean, there's nothing... What, what, there's nothing for you to be jealous of. There's no reason for you to fight against me. The second level was Tayag Mitzvot Shamarti. Tayag Mitzvot Shamarti. So Rashi says, In Lavan HaRashon Karti V'tayag Mitzvot Shamarti V'lo Lamadhi Ma'asava Ra'im As though... As though like I'm a good person to have around. I, 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 can, uh, I can keep the Tariyad Mitzvot. And the Siftei Chachabim explains that as Yaakov saying to Esav, listen, Esav, I'm stronger than you are. Which doesn't fit into the story at all because according to the story, Yaakov was very nervous about all of this. He divided up his camp into two. If, they, if, if Esav comes and kills this calf so that he, he won't... Uh, the other half will be saved. It didn't sound to me like uh, Yaakov was so confident, but the Sifti Chacham says, <coughs> look at the Sifti Chachamim again. You will not be able to beat me. You remember that the bracha that Yaakov Avinu gave, that, sorry, that Yitzchak Avinu gave to Esav, 
was Va'al Charbecha Tichyeh, that you will live by the sword. In, in other words, you'll always be in danger, but you'll always have to kind of do something with the sword. Hainu Davka, Bivahaya Kasher Tarid, Vahaya Kasher Tarid. You remember what what Sifti Chachamim is talking about? <coughs> if you look at the uh, look at the second page. See that pasuk at the top of the page? This is a codicil, an addition to the bracha that Yitzchak gave to Esav. Right? He added this. This is not exactly a bracha. It's a statement of a fair. Right? He says to Esav, you will live by the sword. Whatever that means. Those who think it's good, it's good. Those who think it's not so good, it's probably not so good. That achicha ta'avod. That achicha ta'avod. Who's achicha? Who's Rachicha? It's Yaakov. So that the bracha, or the addition to the bracha to Esau, indicates the futility of a battle. A battle that is coming up between Yaakov and Esau. Now this word tarid is a strange word. But there's no doubt it comes from the Hebrew root, let's say, Yudreish Dalit. You know, it's funny. You know, this word doesn't strike a chord. It says, Someone is going to go down. Who's going to go down? Yaakov. Yaakov, remember, Yitzchak says to Esau, Yitzchak says to Avot. That in this competition between Yaakov and Esau, who's going to win? Yaakov. Until Tarid. Until Yaakov goes down for some reason. And then you will remove his, uh, uh, the, his uh, dominion and all his yoke. The yoke of Yaakov will be removed from Esau. So according to what according to what Yitzchak said to Esau, what will affect the change? What will make it possible for Esau to defeat Yaakov? What will make it possible for Esau to defeat Yaakov? The fact that Yaakov goes down. The fact that Yaakov goes down. Rashi, see the Rashi? I mean, I don't know why. I mean, you can think about why Rashi thinks it means Tsar, unhappiness, but he explains the Pasuk afterwards. Klomar. And you, Esau, at that time, Yelcha Pitchon Pe. Pitchon Pe means an opening, right? To say, 
that, that Yaakov didn't deserve the brachot, then you'll be able to win. That's what the Pesach says. That's what the Pesach says according to Rashi. Therefore, if we go back to the Sifte Chachamim, what did Yaakov say, what did Yaakov say to Esau? What was the winning argument that Yaakov had against Esau? He said to him, what? It is a yes of you may have thought that now is a good time to do battle with Yaakov because Yaakov just came back from the house of Lava. In the house of Lava, they couldn't have done anything too good. I mean, it was it's a, a terrible place. Relatives of so Esau got himself together and he says, now I'll be able to conquer my brother and get back the brachas somehow, because he's not going to be deserving. So along comes the brother, Yaakov, and he says, Im lovangarti. Im lovangarti. And somehow the implication was clear to Esav as well, that Taryag mitzvot shamarti. In, in, in other words, Esav just looked at Yaakov. And he looked at Yaakov, he had a long beard, and he's wearing kapote and one of those black hats, and, and so he knew that Yaakov was Yaakov. In Lavangarti, but it's not what you think. So, so that the gematria of Tayag Mitzvah Shamarti is just a, it's a, it's a gematria. It's a hint for us. But Esau didn't need that hint. Esau knew right away. Esau just looked at the Machadeh. He knew what his Machadeh, he knew, excuse me, what his Machadeh looked like. And he, now he knew what the Machadeh of, of uh, Yaakov looked like. So Yaakov Avinu sent Malachim to Esau, who told him in Lovangarti. And he understood the Tayag Mitzvot Shamati. But that's also why Rashi insists that the Malachim were angels. Because who, because even if Esau couldn't see the lifestyle, that Yaakov was, was leading, right? Like, let's say he left his kapata in the, in the suitcase. It didn't like look exactly like, you know, like he just came out of Satama. Nevertheless, nevertheless, the Malochim, I mean, what was the point of saying the Malochim? Only that Asa would know that they're Malochim, according to Rashi. It wasn't because the distance that had to be traversed was so long or difficult that you needed a Maloch to come and say this simple statement. But it must be that the Malochim he sent... It, it, it was clear to it was clear to to Esau somehow that they were malochim. Maybe they had little wings coming out of their backs or something. But somehow Esau knew that they were malochim. And since Esau knew that they were malochim, Esau knew Esau knew that Yaakov Avinu was a special person because not everybody gets to hire malochim. So Esau certainly understood that in the implication of imlovangarti was that this, the time of this pasuk, Rashi says clearly, the parakta ulo, even though literally it means you will remove his yoke, the yoke of Yaakov will be removed from Esau, it means really much more than that. It means that then Esau will be able to come and argue for the brachot, that were given to Esau and asked that they should be transferred to, and given to Yaakov and asked that they should be transferred to Esau because now, now it became clear that it wasn't just, it wasn't that Yaakov was a good guy 
and that uh, that Esau was a bad guy. So you know, also the tradition, the tradition that the Chazal maintained that Roma, Roma, right, the Romans who destroyed the temple were in fact Esau, right? Esau was Adom. He was the Adom Adom Hazeh, and the Romans. So so that Kasher Tarit that when the, the Jewish people uh, uh, were in a state of disarray before the, the destruction of the Second Temple, that they des- des- deserved this punishment of the destruction of the Second Temple, because at that time, at that time, the punishment was meted out. I mean, God, of course, was responsible, but the agent that was chosen uh, was Asaph, because Asaph represents the necessary restatement of things. It's not until Am Yisrael gets back to itself that the proper relationship between, between Yaakov and Esau is reestablished. I mean, that's how it's seen, it's seen, in, seen in history, that if, uh, if the, the Yaakov, if the team of Yaakov goes down, then the Mela, the team of Esau, the team of Esau will go up. So, the first thing that Yaakov said I won't say the first thing, but an important thing that Yaakov said to Esav was Im Lavon Garti Vaychar Ad Ata. The second thing he says, Vehili Shovchamot Sol Veevet Vishivcha Veshlecha Lagid Ladonil and Solchain Veeinecha. So. Yaakov second message to Esau was that I have a lot of stuff. I'm very rich. What do I have? I have Shor v'chamor, Sol v'evet v'shivchabi. Those are things that anybody would want in those days. That was what, that was what rich meant. Rich was Sol v'chamor, Evet v'shivchabi. That's how you measure a person's wealth. So what point could there be now in Yaakov Avinu telling Esau, telling Esau that he was wealthy. So of course Rashi, again, tries to deal with this question. If you look at the Pasuk Vav, Abba Amali, Abba Amali says, Dad, you know, Yitzchak Avinu said to Yaakov, Abba Amali, Mital that you will be blessed by the Tal Hashemayim, uh, you know, rain, I guess, Tal, Tal is due, Mishmanei uh, Haaretz, the fat of the land. Vizo eno lo min Hashemayim, velo min Haaretz. I don't know. Let's just see one more comment in Rashi Shor Bechamor. Rashi says, Der Cheres Lomal Shvarim Harbei Shor. That it's common that people when you talk about a lot of oxen, you say a singular, a Shor. This is uh, this is true. But in many in many languages and in Hebrew, you can count one, two, three, four till ten, and then you say. Uh, but you have a collective, an idea of a collective. So many of them, I don't count them anymore. And I just say, sure. Sure meaning many, many shvarim. 
That's what Rashi, that's what Rashi says. So of course, it's, uh, uh, this argument totally befuddles us. Like why would Yaakov say this to Esau? First of all, I mean, Esau could see that Yaakov had a large camp, and in the camp there were lots of things, lots of valuable possessions, so to speak. But why does he have to tell it to him? Why send the Malachim to tell him this? That's what they get into Siftei Chachamim. Since we've, uh, we've started it, so we'll look again. This is letter Dalit. Klomar Shaviatan Eino Min Haaretz. That's what Rashi means. That's what, that's what Yaakov said. Yaakov said, the bracha that my father gave me was a bracha that I should have a lot of things that grow in the ground. Grow from the ground. Remember, what do I have? I have oxen. I have sheep. He says, that's nothing to do with the bracha. That's nothing to do with the bracha that, you know, it's Esau. I don't think that I come representing the great success of the bracha. Because if I represented the great success of the bracha, I should have mitalashom, I mishmani aretz. What do I have? I have oxen. I have cows. I have sheep. I mean, that's, that's something else. That's not part of the bracha. Because the bracha, I would say, like looking at the Sifzit HaKom a little bit more deeply, I would say that this, what, the, what this means is that the struggle between Yaakov and Esau is after all about the land of Eretz Yisrael. Like who would be, who would have dominion in the land? And dominion in the land, Dominion of the land is not just a function of how much money you have in the bank, which is what Yaakov is trying to explain to you, but whether there's a kind of shituf pu'olah, there's a joint effort between the personality and Eretz Yisrael, that you, you till the land, and the land produces extraordinarily for you. So that's a sign of ownership. Not the legal ownership. But let's say that's a sign that the bracha of Yitzchak has been fulfilled. And it's as though here that Yaakov Avinu says to Esau, look, don't look at the fact that I have money. The fact that I have money is not relevant. We, our struggle is about the bracha. And the bracha is about Eretz Yisrael. And nothing that I have comes from the land, the land of Israel. The Tzintah doesn't say that. But I think that that's what it means. Sinachom just says, I don't have things that come from land. I have things that all came otherwise. We all know how he got the sheep. It wasn't exactly the bracha of Yitzchak that got Yaakov Avinu all the sheep he came back to Eretz Yisrael with. That was something else. That was a different cheshbon on the regular bracha. On the cheshbon of the regular bracha, he lived with love and they got nothing. He didn't have a thing. He had to have extraordinary bracha. So it's as though Yaakov Avinu saying to Esau again, we're not talking about who has more money. We're talking about who has established more privilege in Eretz Israel. So Yaakov Avinu says, Yaakov Avinu says to Esau, I have nothing. I have nothing. I haven't got anything that comes out of a land, a land at all. All I have is sheep and, and oxen. You want to go fight about that? We can fight about that. But our fight is not about who has money and who doesn't have money. 
our apartheid is about who has the brach, and the fact that I have money has nothing to do with the brach, because the brach is vitala shabayim, or mishmane ha'oretz. And therefore this becomes a good argument against Esau, depending on, you have to know, I mean, Esau, <coughs> assuming that Esau was not just a highwayman, and came to overwhelm uh, Yaakov, he came to overwhelm Yaakov because he had money, but his fight or his disagreement with Yaakov was much more personal, it had to do with the brothers. So what Yaakov Avinu is saying now, I have received nothing. So the two statements of Yaakov Avinu, according to the way we understand them through the Sifra Yechomim, were on the one hand, Tayyad Mitzvah Shomarati. The time has not yet come for, ya- for Esau to be victorious over Yaakov, because Yaakov is still, you know, keeping all of the mitzvot. The second thing is, the second thing is what Yaakov says, by Hilishor V'chamor, it means, yes, I have money, but that didn't come to me through the bracha. The question of the bracha is going to be adjudicated now between Yaakov and Esau, and Esau has certainly got a tremendous advantage because he's been in Eretz Yisrael all this time, all the time that Yaakov Avinu was in the house of, was in the house of Lova. So let's look again at the Sistei Chachomen. The Sistei Chachomen says, that the shor v'chamor don't come out of the ground. Like, you know, it's like a Lomgashi question. You could say, oh, okay, they're not born. The cow is not born out of the ground, but it eats from the ground. I mean, if it, there's nothing coming out of the ground, there would be no cow either. The came. It's a little different than the way I said it, but the idea is there. And it says, in the beginning he said, meaning that I was not part of the, uh, the establishment. That there were no brachot, right, because he was... He was in Lavangarti, in La which is the first interpretation of Rashi. Remember, the first interpretation of Rashi is that I was a gar. Gar. I was a, I was a foreigner. I was a foreigner. I didn't have any advantages. But since I didn't have any advantages, I didn't get any brachot. That I didn't get anything from Tala Shamai, Mishmani or it's a good Rashi. This is the continuation of Rashi, right? Rashi says that the word shor can also mean a collection of shorim. He says it can't be. Rashi must be right that the word shor is a plural. It means many. Because after all, Esau saw them. He saw the Machaneh. The Machaneh had a lot of Shvarim in it. Shaddai loaded Kaima bi birkat avi. So he says, did I skip something? Vilafi davar acher delael. Right? In Lavan Garti. Yesh lomar da hachika amale. Avo bi shaddai ag mitzvot shemarti. Adai loaded Kaima bi birkat avi. 
Right, so, that, so he divided, he, I, mean, I, this, I think what we said, this is the way we explained it. On the one hand, Tayag Mitzot Shamarti. And therefore the time for Esav has not yet come. But on the other hand, I didn't get, I still haven't gotten the bracha, Shari. Ainli El Ashov Chamor. And therefore, uh, uh, this doesn't mean like little children say, I'm, I'm not afraid of you. It means I have no reason to be afraid of you. Because what you want, I don't have. And since I don't have it, I mean, there's nothing you can do about it. So this, with Rashi and the Siftei Chachamim, I think becomes a reasonable argument. A reasonable argument. I'm not sure that this has explained entirely, perfectly why there has to be a malach, an angel who's the emissary. Uh, but maybe, maybe that is something we could see here. I just want to say there's one more pasuk here on the second page. We look at the second page. There's a pasuk further down, pasuk Yudzaim, the same story. It says about Yaakov, Why did he tell them to, to make a to make a space, to put a large space between one flock and another flock? So Rashi says, Eder Eder Levado, that means Kol Minu Min Latzmo, right? The sheep were here and the, the cows were there and the oxen were there. In other words, start going. He said, start going and set up this. Then Rashi says, What is Revachtasimu? Eider Lifnei Chavero Melo Ayin. In other words, you could just barely see them. They're pretty far away. Each, each of them would be far away from the other, Melo Ayin, as far as the eye could see. What, 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 is, what does that mean? That the wicked person, Esav, should be satisfied. Uh, and, and he'll be so like, like if you would have put them all together, it wouldn't look like it was so much. But if you put some here and some there and some there, so oh, so Asa really gets excited about. So the only way to understand this Rashi, the only way to understand that Rashi, that, that Yaakov decided to give Asa the Doron. What's a Doron? For the purpose of this story. I mean, I know it's a present, but for the purpose of stories, it means some of, but not all of, what, uh, what Yaakov had. Isn't that what a Doron is? He's a, here's Yaakov, he's got his whole, he's got the mover. He came with a moving company, you know, like Moshe's movers. They, they had the trucks are all there. Everything that Yaakov owns is right there. And what does Yaakov do? He's going to give Esau a present. Have a few sheep, have a few cows, have a few oxen. So what's Esau going to say? He's going to say, why should I take a few? They're all there. Let me take the whole, the whole business. So that this could only work, this idea of a Doron only works 
if Esau himself has come to the conclusion that war will not help him. So this, this kind of modifies, or ameliorates his, uh, his position, his meaning Esau. Esau wants everything. So somehow Yaakov proved to him that he can't have everything. Because that time has not yet come. The time of Tarid, when the Jewish people go down. Because he's a, he's a Tayag Mitzvot Shabbati. So he's not going to be able, he's not going to be able to get everything. So then Yaakov says to him, because I'm going to give you Doron. Then, so then yeah, Esau will be happy. Then Esau will be happy to show him all the stuff that he has in it. And that, that even though he is convinced, he, Yaakov, is convinced that he's not going to go to war with him, he nevertheless is going to give him this, this Doron. So I want to just look at this Breshit uh, Rabbah, uh, this Medrash, which um, uh, is based on the Pasuk, at the end of Perikav Chet. In the beginning of Perikav Chet. Which is the end of Toldot. The end of the parish of Toldot. I don't have the passage on the sheet, but I'll just uh, remind you of it. You remember that when, when Yitzchak and Rivka sent Yaakov to Padan Aram, to the house of Lavan, chased him out of Eretz Israel and said, you can't stay here. Yaakov, uh, Yitzchak Avinu blessed him. A, 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 an extra blessing, a special blessing for the trip. Like not the blessing of Abraham, but a special blessing. And that special blessing, in that special blessing, he said, That's what the char, you go there, you'll get married there. And here's the brocha. The kel and HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Arkel Shaddai is a special name, but HaKadosh Baruch Hu will bless you. V'yafricha v'yarbecha. And you will increase your numbers and become many. V'yita l'kahal amim. And you will become a kind of a, a, a number of kahalim, of communities. And then, and then the brach of Avraham will be passed down to you and your children. It's as though Yitzchak says to Avra to, to Yaakov. Even though you have already received the bracha from me, that bracha is not going to be effective until you come back to Eretz Yisrael. That's some kind of connection that Yitzchak that tells Yaakov about. He says, you're going to go to Chutzlar to save your life, 
But don't think that in Chutzlaretz all these things are going to come true and happen. Because they are only going to happen when you come back to Eretz Yisrael. So the Medrash says, on this passage, Vayitain lecha et birkat Avraham. And Hashem will give you the bracha of Avraham. Yitain lecha brachot. Yitain lecha kvishan. Kvishan means uh, utensils. See, you know, small utensils. Yitain lecha shelcha. Yitain lecha shel avicha. Yitain lecha shelcha. Yitain lecha shel achicha. Alright, so there's, there's uh, this idea that it's all going to happen when Yaakov comes back to Eretz Yisrael. And then there's the statement of Rab Acha. Rab Acha Omar, Yitain Lecha. Yitain Lecha, even though the Pesach says, Yitain Lecha. Yitain Lecha. Yitain Lecha Elahuta. Eimatai Kishetitzarech La. Now, We'll read this this line again because it's it's a good line. And God will give you Elahuta. Elahuta is an Aramaic word which means Elohim. God will God will give. The bracha is that there will be a certain availability of heaven for Yaakov in crucial times. Skip a line. Says, remember the bracha that Father gave to me. So that Yaakov Avinu left Eretz Yisrael, left Eretz Yisrael under the protection of Malachim, of angels. When he came back to Eretz Yisrael, once again, he was under the protection, apparently, of angels. In Chutzlaret, in Chutzlaret, when he was in the house of Betuel, dealing with Lavan, what was his situation religiously? So the, the, uh, the Pasuk says, V'yitain lecha, v'yitain lecha. In the future, Birkat Abraham. When is he going to get to Birkat Abraham? And he comes back to Eretz Yisrael. So what's going to happen to him all of this, all the time that he's in Chutzlaret? So the Medrash says, the Medrash says, Yitain lecha lehusa, Eimatai lechsheyitzterech la. So when things were at their worst for Yaakov Avinu in Chutzlaret, in this parasha, in the parasha of Toldot, things had never been worse. And he went to Lofa, and he said, I worked hard, and I did what I was supposed to do, and I watched the flocks, and I was up day and night, and I tried to protect them from, etc., 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 et I have nothing. I have nothing. So that was a moment in which HaKadosh Baruch Hu 
turned to help Yaakov and said to him, "Do this thing with the with the with the sticks and the stripes and the and the, the sheep, and you're gonna and you're gonna make a lot of money." The second time was when Yilavon comes chasing after them and catch them, look for the trafim. Then Hakadosh Baruch Hu also protected him. But now that Yaakov Avinu is back in Eretz Yisrael, Yaakov Avinu can send a malach. I mean, his his world has changed. He can send a malach to negotiate with his brother Esau. So that even though the future has not yet come, it was Yaakov Avinu, is not yet Yaakov Avinu entrenched in Eretz Yisrael. What does it say in the parish immediately after the, the encounter with Yaakov, Yaakov with Esau? That Yaakov went to Sukkot to settle there. That's where he went. He, he put himself, he established himself in Eretz Yisrael as a permanent resident. And since he was a permanent resident, his, change, his whole status had changed from the, a person who would be helped uh, 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 from time to time by a Kodesh Baruch That was his, his situation in Chutzlaret to a person who is always under the, the, uh, the dominion and the protection of heaven. And you see that the whole life, when you learn, we haven't learned it yet, but if you learn the stories of Yaakov Avinu, as, as told by, uh, by Rashi, the life of Yaakov Avinu becomes, Yaakov and Yosef, the brothers, becomes a life of Hashgocha. Every step of the way, according to Rashi, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is involved with the process. And what is happening is what must happen and what should happen. And that's what, that's what uh, the change in Yaakov Avinu was. So Yaakov Avinu comes back to Esau. And he has the following messages for him. He says, Meaning, the time for you has not yet come. The second thing he says, he reminds him that he hasn't received the brachas. Hasn't received the brachas that Yitzchak passed on to Yaakov. And this is further, further uh, enhanced by the fact that he said, and further we learn that Yaakov, once Esau understood that the battle between Yaakov and Esau, that, that, that it, hadn't, it can't take place yet, it can't happen, so he gave him Doron, he gave him a present, and Esau was, was very happy to take it. Finally, we understand that hidden in the message that Yitzchak gave to Yaakov when he sent him to Chutzlaz, according to the Medrash, the Medrash Rabbah, according to the Medrash was that Yaakov Avinu, when he's in Chutzlaz, he's not Yaakov Avinu. Because his relationship to Akkadish is such that only when he's in real difficulty, but it's real, uh, or something he can't deal with at all, that he can turn to God and perhaps God will help him. This changes radically when he comes to Eretz Yisrael. Because in Eretz Yisrael, he is going to be worthy, or he is liable to be worthy for the Tala Shemaim and the Shemani Ha'oretz. And we see that the story of Yaakov and Esav ends with Yaakov Avinu going to Sukkot to establish his home there and to build, uh, to build his uh, actual connection with Eretz Israel. Have a good shot.